by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. You know, I don't often watch the stock market, but I bet if I did, I would predict that Walmart stock is taking a big dip lately. But not because of the pandemic, because my mama's been in quarantine for the last three weeks. <laughs> Sorry, mama, but come on. You got a 1,600-square-foot house. You got two of everything Walmart's got. <laughs> it's true. But I love you, mama, and you've always been willing to give what you have. You know, when I was growing up, me and my brother, our fortune as kids was directly linked to our mother's fortune. For example, if she were to get a raise that week or something, we could expect to go to the movies. We might even go out to eat. I remember one time, my mama got an inheritance. I got a boat. Hey, amen, right? <laughs> Just this week, I went over to mama's house to drop off a gallon of milk. And she was barricaded up in the house. <laughs> I'm talking, she had like three deadbolts on her door, a steel door. You know, I'm just kidding, but it, it was like that. She was in there with her mask on and her gloves, and she came to the door, just drop it at the porch. <laughs> Don't touch anything. <laughs> all right, Mama, all right, I'm keeping my distance. And I dropped the milk, but before I left, she says, you need any money? I can slip it through the door. <laughs> Our fortune growing up was linked to my mama's fortune. Mama, I'm 54 now. I don't need any money, but thanks anyway. I know where I can turn. And that leads us to our scripture today that I want, that, that's the uh, key scripture I want to focus in on today. John 14, 19. Jesus says, because I live, you shall live also. Because my mama had a fortune, I had a fortune also. What my mama had was mine. What my Lord and Savior has is mine through the blood covenant of Jesus Christ. Because he lives, because he was resurrected, now I have a new resurrected life with him. Come on, production crew, somebody out there. I got a new life. Uh, let me just, hold on, hold on, cameraman. Let, let me explain something to y'all. I'm excited because somebody snuck in here last night, and I think that somebody might have been Anita Parvin, and she put your name on one of our chairs. If you go to this church, she put your name on a chair. So I didn't feel like I was preaching alone today. You might see your name right now. Let me see. Oh, I need to stand behind here. Oh, there's the praise team. All right. There's the host. Let's see who we got. Callan, you here today? Christy's here today. Larry, Joyce, Kathy, Pat, John. Look at all those names. Might be the first time the church was ever packed. 
Help me out, cameraman. Oh, we having a good time today. I may can't, can't hear you, but I can see you this morning. All right. Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. I love when the church is packed. Ephesians 2.5 says God gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. That's when we got true life. You know, we had sold ourselves into sin. There, our, our spirits were darkened. There was no connection with God when we were born because of sin. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. God couldn't stand the thought of us dying in that condition and being eternally separated from us. You know, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And what he did was he sent his son to bear the burden of our sin. And then he, because he had, his, he had no sin of his own, God raised him up so that when we put our faith in Christ, we can experience that same resurrection power. That same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in our mortal bodies. And Jesus said, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. Not the same old life you had before. That wasn't even really life. That wasn't life at all. That was just existence. That was trying to figure out something. But this is much more. This is much more powerful. We had sold ourselves into sin. But through the cross and the resurrection, we've been raised to a new life. A new resurrection life, much greater than the old so-called life we had. Somebody shouting out there, I can almost hear you from here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. I've been preaching on that a lot. It says, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Say real life. What does that mean? That, that means that I might not be living my real life. You're not following Christ. If you're not in Christ, no, you're not. You're just hoping and guessing. But your real life, the one God created you for, is only found in Christ. It says hidden with Christ in God. And that's the resurrected life that we're going to talk about today. So what I thought we would do is examine some things that Jesus did after he was resurrected. Examine what real life looks like. I know a lot of people think that Jesus came out of that tomb and he must have went straight to heaven, but he didn't. He stayed down here another 40 days so that he could uh, give us some last-minute instructions. And let's turn in our Bible to Acts chapter 1. Verse 3. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. It says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. <laughs> You'd think the first time they saw him, they'd realize he was actually alive. But you've got to understand, they saw him on that cross. They know he died. <laughs> so when they saw him later, it was like, are we seeing a ghost? Is this a spirit? Because we, we have no experience with someone saying that I'm going into the tomb in three days, I'm coming back up again. So he appeared to them, and he proved in many ways that he was actually alive. He was blood, flesh and blood, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. 
I don't know about your life, but all around me I see evidence that God is still alive. He is alive. I don't know about you, but through situations in my life, through reading the Word of God, through prayer, He's always speaking to me. He's still speaking to His disciples today. For those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit would say. In verse 4 it says, Once when He was eaten with them, He commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that He has promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but just in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The first thing Jesus makes clear is don't leave home without him. <laughs> don't leave home without the Holy Spirit. I don't want you messing this thing up. I don't really, really want you out there witnessing unless you're being led by the Holy Ghost. I don't want you trying to build a church in your own strength and your own power. You've messed everything up to this point. What makes you think it's going to be any different unless my resurrection power, the Holy Spirit, comes into you and resurrects something real, something true? Maybe you're sitting there today. and Maybe you've asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, but you feel like you have no power. Have you been baptized in the Holy Ghost? John the Baptist says, I baptize with water, but there's coming one after me who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you receive it just like you receive your salvation. You just surrender and say, by faith, say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with that power, that resurrection power to live this powerful life. You said the works that you do, Lord, that greater works than these shall I do. Because you go to the Father and because you send us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to dwell in us. So receive it right now. Maybe you've received the Holy Spirit, been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you, you're waning. Your, your power level seems to be going down and you're draining. Well, every day I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me. I understand that I am what I am. By the grace of God, by the, by the Holy Spirit. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. The Spirit that liveth in me, the Holy Spirit, it's Christ's Spirit in me. And so I want to live a fruitful and productive life. And I cannot do that without the Spirit of God on the inside of me. Neither would I want to try. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in me. Well, let's see what happens. The first person Jesus bumps into after he comes up out of the tomb is Mary Magdalene. Now, was it there a specific reason that he went to Mary Magdalene? Uh, I would say it was because she was the one that was there. She was the one that was looking for him the most. She was there early in the morning. And if you're looking for Jesus, I would say you, there's a good chance you, you'll be the first one he appears to. But what did Jesus tell Mary Magdalene? He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It is I, Mary. Don't be afraid. Are you afraid of spiritual things? Are you afraid of Jesus? Are you afraid of what people might say if you let Jesus do a resurrection in your life? You've seen people and they give their whole heart to Jesus. Now they're Bible-toting and, and they're happy and they're, they're joyful and they have all this peace and other people like to make fun of them. They just jealous. 
don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of, of Jesus doing a resurrection in your life. Maybe you've said, well, I've got everything pretty much where I want it. You know, I'm, I'm comfortable. I've got enough income. You know, I've got my job good enough. I, you know, I've got the big 70-inch TV. I'm good. I'm good. But, but comfort isn't what God's trying to get to you. Are you afraid of what a resurrection might do in your life? I'm here to tell you, there's more than we're living. There's more than I'm living right now. So I'm not afraid. Say that. Say, I am not afraid of the resurrection that Jesus wants to do in my life. All right, so he sees Mary. But where is Jesus on the way to as he runs into Mary? I've preached on this, and it's, it's just always been amazing to me that Jesus has just been scourged. He's been crucified. He's hung on the cross. He's bore our shame, our sin. He's borne the wrath of God. And he died. And he spent three days in a tomb. Now he's resurrected. He comes out of the tomb, and I'm thinking if it were me, well, I'm going to take a few weeks off. I'm going to go rest. I'm going to go lay down. But not Jesus. He's on the road to Emmaus. He's seven miles down the road. He's hoofing it. He, he's chasing down just two wayward disciples who had lost hope. He catches up with them. He hears them talking about, well, we thought Jesus was this, and we thought Jesus was that, but I guess not because now he's dead. How eager are you to help hold God's flock together? It was the first thing on Jesus' mind after, after the resurrection. Oh, two of my believers are, are losing hope, losing faith. Have you ever called anybody from church who, who, who hadn't been at service in a while? Are you willing to, to leave the 99 and go find that stray like Jesus is? I'm telling you, it's the first thing was on Jesus' mind. Jesus chases down people with the good news. Sometimes we act like it. we're ashamed of the good news of Jesus. Like people don't want to hear it. It's good news. Why would we be ashamed of good news? We should be proclaiming the good news to everyone. When is the last time you told anybody about Jesus? When it shared the good news? My friend, it's exciting to be a carrier of good news. The devil is trying to make you think that they're not going to receive it. They want to hear it. They're begging to hear it. Somebody, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, my friend. Don't be ashamed of the good news. Jesus went immediately began to preach the good news. Hey, he explained the scriptures to him. He said, can't you see in the word where it said that I, I must suffer, but then I would be resurrected and on the third day he began to explain the scriptures to him. how good at you are how good are you at rightly dividing the word of truth can you explain what you believe can you explain the basic tenets of your faith what can you tell somebody in the bible how it says to be saved it's really not hard if if you can't why not you're not taking 
the Word of God seriously. Learn to share the good news and learn to explain the good news. And then Jesus, they, they talked him into staying and he went in the house and he broke bread with them. The bread of life. He broke bread. And that's something that's missing in the church. You know, church is something more than just waving at your buddy on Sunday or shaking a hand, hugging a neck, seeing him once a week. The church needs to begin to break bread together daily. I understand we're <laughs> quarantined, so to speak. What's that word? Uh, social distancing right now. But it, don't, it won't always be that way. And the church needs to come back together in a different way. We need to break bread in each other's homes. We need to get to know one another so much more than a handshake on Sunday. Jesus, of course, appeared to his disciples talked to him but who was missing thomas thomas had a questioning spirit they call him doubting thomas and so jesus came back again to talk to thomas do you know god is not afraid of your doubts you know to have an inquisitive mind and and want to know things and ask questions some of us feel like well i'm i'm not understanding this but it, it'll, it'll make me seem like I don't believe, and so we won't ask, ask the questions. But God's not afraid of your doubts. The devil puts a lot of your doubts in your, in your head, and if you don't communicate with somebody, then how are you going to know the truth? If you're not seeking God about your doubts, he says, if you seek for me with your whole heart, you'll find me. He's not hard to find. Just come after me. Just, just ask me the question, and I will speak to you if you're listening. I'll let you put your finger in the hole where the sword pierced my heart. I'll let you put your fingers in, my, in the holes in my hand where I was crucified in my feet. I'll let you see that I am real. He's not afraid of your questions. you got these questions, these lingering things that's been going on. I wouldn't suggest that you go to the internet to find out the answer. People get really messed up doing that. There's a lot of misinformation on the internet. But I would suggest that you find someone, a pastor, or you find someone that you trust, a mature Christian, but mostly that you go to Jesus and say, show me the answer to this. And that you get in his word. So that you doubt no more. Jesus finds Peter. Old Peter, you know, he denied Jesus three times. So after Jesus was resurrected, Peter's thinking, oh, I've messed it up. I've messed it up. My relationship with Jesus, I've denied him just like he said I would. I don't know what to do now. I guess I'll go back to my old life. And he gathers a few buddies and he, he goes back to fishing for fish. You remember Jesus had made him a fisher of men, gave him some real purpose, something bigger. But now he feels like he's messed it up. Maybe that's where you are in your life. You feel like, hey, I used to serve God, but I kind of fell away. Got in with some friends. I denied Christ, especially by the way I live in them. I'm denying that 
that he's real in my life. I want you to know, Jesus is into mending relationships. Say relationships. I would say that's the, the thing Jesus came to do. To mend the relationship between you and the Father. To create a relationship between you and Him. Jesus, the Father, they're all about relationships. Well, Peter gets in that boat with his buddy and they're out there fishing. He must have been a horrible fisher because he wasn't catching anything again. And Jesus is on the bank. And I guess he's far enough away they can't really tell who it is. And he shouts to them, throw the net on the other side. They ain't got nothing to lose, so they grab the net and they throw it on the other side. All of a sudden, the catch is so large that the nets are breaking. And Peter, you know, his lightning fast mind, he's thinking, where have I seen this before? Where have I ever heard such wisdom about where to fish? Uh, where, when has anybody ever gave me such supernatural blessings? Where do I remember a net about to break full of fish? Oh, and then about that time, John says, it's Jesus. Peter's, he couldn't wait to get to the shore. He doesn't paddle the boat back. He's not even concerned about the net full of fish. He says, you guys can have all that. I just want my relationship restored. And he jumps out of the boat and swims to Jesus. That's awesome. That's awesome. Maybe that's what you need to do today. Stop worrying about provision. Stop worrying about uh, your stuff. And mend that relationship with Jesus. You seek him first and all the other things will be added unto you. Don't you know that? Peter's thinking, who was it that paid my taxes one time with a fish? I mean, God can do anything he wants to do, right? Nobody will love you like Jesus. Well, Peter goes to the shore and Jesus takes some of them fish. They begin to cook them up and eat a big old breakfast. And Jesus restores Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. He says, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Jesus is saying, Peter, I need you to take care of my people. I need you to love other people, the little ones, the big ones. I need you, Peter. I need you to get back to being a fisher of man. Do you care for other people? I know you do. Jesus just says, just follow me, Peter. Just follow me. We're talking about a resurrected life. Don't go back to the old dead way of life, serving self. Get out of that boat. Get back to following Jesus. Peter turns around, sees John lagging behind. He says, what about him? Jesus says, Peter, that's none of your concern. What does it matter what John does? You follow me. You worry about yourself. Some of you out there saying, I'm not serving God because my wife won't come to church with me. Or my kids don't like church or this or that. What's the, the, pro, the reason they probably don't is because you're not showing initiative to follow Jesus. What does it matter what they do? You follow Jesus and everything else will fall in line. You follow me, Jesus says. Stop worrying about what other people are thinking or doing. Just follow your creator. 
Follow your sustainer. Follow your redeemer. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to read a passage of scripture. I thought this was so good. Just a good description of what a resurrected life should look like. What are we talking about here? What kind of life is this new resurrected life? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 9 and read down to verse 24. I know it's a long passage of scripture. But you want to know what the goal is here? You want to know what the kind of life you should be living? This is it. It says in verse 9, For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Wow. Christ died for us so that whether we're dead or alive when, when he returns, we can live with him forever. See, that's God's heart towards mankind. We just want to be together. I want to be in relationship with you. And I can tell you, I feel like he's about to return any moment. Don't you? Can't you feel the bigness in society today? It's like everything is aligned itself. All the prophecies, and they're just waiting for the revelation of the children of God. The earth is groaning for the revelation of the children of God to stand up and to be counted and to, to bring in this harvest so that we can be raptured up out of this place. Christ died for us so that whether we're dead or alive, when he returns, we will live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. And I thought about our life group leaders, how they pray for you, how they're contacting you and texting you and, and asking how you are and visiting you in the hospital and caring about your situation. You probably sitting out there, I wish they'd stop texting me. Is that any way to honor those who are caring and watching over your soul? It says, show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. That's a better way, isn't it? And live peaceably with each other. Not a lot of people are living peaceably in the world. Everybody's like, what are you looking at? Why are you so close to me? You better back up. <laughs> really? Everybody's fighting to hold on to what they think is life. But verse 14 says, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn them who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak and be patient with everyone. That's the life of a believer. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. I love verse 16. I wish I could live up to this one. Always be joyful. Always. That's a hard one. Always be joyful. You know, I was thinking as I was looking at these, you really can't do any of these apart from a close walk with Jesus. You're not going to be patient with people. You're not going to help the weak. You're not even going to care about people unless you're walking with Jesus. But if you're walking with Jesus, all these things become possible. You say, how are these Christians always filled with joy? Because they're walking with Christ. 
They're not just receiving their salvation 20 years ago and, and going to church once a week. They're living with him daily. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. There it is. The line of communication always open. Verse 18 says, be thankful in all circumstances. I know you've heard it preached, not be thankful for all circumstances because God didn't orchestrate all of this. But you can be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. See, God wants these things for you. Then in verse 19 it says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. We've already talked about that. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said and hold on to that which is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Just stay away from it. Don't allow yourself to move over into the shadows. Don't get close to it. Don't touch it. Don't talk about it. Don't dream about it. Don't write about it. Stay away from every kind of evil. And now, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. See, it's a process of sanctification. God will make these things happen. For he who calls you is faithful. Like I said, it's Christ in me. I can't do these things. I didn't, I didn't want to do these things before I knew Jesus. But now I want this with all my heart. And I know you do too. But you're not going to do it unless you're in that tight walk with Jesus. You're not getting out ahead and you're not falling behind. I know you're saying, well, I don't think any of us can reach that bar. That bar is set way too high. But that's what God does. He sets the bar at perfection. And you're down here somewhere, if, if you're even on the chart. I think sometimes I'm not even on the chart. But our life as Christians is called to live with the, uh, strive within the gap, to struggle, to meet these expectations that God has set for us. What's it called? I just, the word I just used, sanctification. That's the process of sanctification. You get saved. You have God's spirit now. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus, and you're ready to set out on this voyage with God. But you've got a long way to go. But he is faithful who has called you, and he will make it happen. He will make it happen if you'll stay with him. Now, in Matthew 28, Jesus reiterates his main desire before he ascends to heaven. He's gone to the mountain, and he's just before he ascends, and you know how people, they'll save their most important information till last. thing that they really want to have stick with you before they go. Matthew 18, uh, 28, 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and in earth. Therefore. And what's that therefore, therefore? He's saying, because I've been given all authority, therefore, you go. He's implying 
that this authority that I have, I'm beseeching upon you. I'm, putting, I'm giving you this authority to go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Not just converts, not just baby Christians that we throw out to the wolves, but disciples. That means we're going to have to get our hands dirty and do more than just tell them the good news. We're going to have to, sh- we're going to, have to raise them up and change their diapers and take the little pacifiers out of their mouth as they grow and, and, and t- start them on the milk and, and get them to the solid food of God's Word. We're going to have to get dirty and make disciples. Everywhere we go of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. And this is what makes it wonderful. He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Why did Jesus come? came to seek and save that which was lost. And is it any wonder at all that the last thing he would tell us is is to go bring in this harvest that I have made possible with my own blood. That's why I'm leaving you down here. I'm not just zapping you up to heaven as soon as you get saved. You are saved with a purpose. You have this sanctification process in place to help you get better and more fruitful. At bringing in the harvest, I want you to know I'm not willing that any should perish. Are you spreading the good news? Are you telling anybody? Have you studied to show yourself approved? Are you growing in the Word of God? And and do you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you? Is it any wonder that our main assignment is to reap that harvest? You say, "Well, well, what's in it for me? a more abundant life than your self-focus could ever produce, my friend. Way more abundant life. We're talking about a resurrected life. If life is boring to you, dull, dry, you're just not getting any joy out of it at all, you're just merely existing, it's because you haven't found your purpose in Christ Jesus. You're not using the gifts and abilities He gave you to bring in the harvest, to care for others. You've got to self-focus. And Jesus calls us to die to self, to take up our cross and follow him, and to bring in the harvest. What's that old passage? We come together bringing in the sheaves, rejoicing or something along those lines. That's our purpose, together that we bring in the harvest, rejoicing. Luke 24, 52 says, so they worshiped him. And they returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. Do you worship Jesus? If you do, your life will be filled with great joy. They spent all their time in the temple praising God. If you don't like enjoy, if you don't enjoy church and praising God down here on earth, you won't even like heaven at all. Because we'll spend all our time worshiping and praising God and enjoying his spirit. His presence in our life, Acts 4.33, says the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Oh, they testified. Say, testified. 
If you ain't testified, you ain't bona fide. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Where, where was I before I interrupted myself? They testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says great blessing was upon them all. Oh, my goodness. The joy, the blessing, it's not in a self-focus. It's in dying to self and living for Christ. When you care about others, you're loving Jesus Christ. My fortune was once tied to my mama's fortune. But Walmart got nothing that can compare with the realities of a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he lives, I can live also. You shall live also because of the resurrection. It's a resurrection out of the old life into a new. If your life hasn't changed since you made Jesus the Lord of your life, did you really make him the Lord of your life? There should be a resurrection. And just like Jesus, when it was his time to go, he ascended. He didn't descend like the world. He ascended. And because Jesus lives, you shall live also in heaven. You shall ascend into a new life. It's a promotion for us, for a saint of God to pass from this life into the next one. A place where there's no more tears and no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more pain. None of all this Bickering, fighting, wars, pestilence, disease. Oh, you say, but I can't give up this life. I've, I've got my plan. My friends, whatever you give up for Jesus on this side is going to be paid back to you hundredfold and beyond in the life to come. My friend, you're, you've set your sights on something too small. If you're looking at your 401k and your retirement as, as your source of joy in this life and your hope for life everlasting, <laughs> that's crazy. Luke 20, 36 says, and they will never die again. In this respect, they will be like the angels. They are children of God and children of the resurrection. for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.